What makes a song perfect? Does it get stuck in your head? Give you all the feels? Make you get up and dance? Is it just personal taste? Join us as we attempt to answer these questions and more. This is The Perfect Song. Hello and welcome to The Perfect Song. Today we're going to be talking about a song by Kate Bush. It's called Running Up That Hill from her album Hounds of Love. And the person nominated this song was Alan. So Alan, tell us a little bit about Running Up That Hill. Absolutely. So Running Up That Hill was uh, recorded by Kate Bush in 1985. It was written by her as well. And I believe it was just written with a drum machine and a Fairlight keyboard. And, you know, I read that on Wikipedia and I listened to it after reading that. And I was amazed that it pretty much is the way it originated. Like there isn't a lot more to it than that. They, when they recorded it, they did add some stuff, some snare drums and some other little fills. Yeah. There's a little bit of a, guitar thing happening yeah in the crescendo part i think just very 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 yes. subtle yeah but it's it's basically the you know just the 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 demo really is the bones of the song And it, she wrote it about um, sort of the difficulties between men and women. And if only men and women could sort of swap places and understand each other, they, there would be less misery, I guess, <laughs> in relationships. Um, it was originally uh, called uh, A Deal with God, but the record company is like, yeah, can we call it something else? Because that <laughs> yep. is the that's the role of corporations. Like, ah. Uh, do we have to, can we make it a little more mediocre? Yeah, no, I'm kidding. Uh, watering can. Let's water it down. That's right. We don't want to scare anybody. That's right. We have to make as much money as possible. <laughs> uh, but that was, um, that was then. It was a big hit when it came out in 1985. It was number three in the UK where Kate Bush is quite beloved. It hit number 30 in the United States. And then it had not too some, shabby. No, not too shabby, but it wasn't done because she re-recorded it in 2012 for the Olympics. And at that point, her vocal range was a little different. So they kind of like adjusted it a little bit. It was re-released and that version went to number six in the UK. I don't think it was released here. But then fast forward to 2022, last year, it was featured, the original version was featured in the Netflix show Stranger Things, and it shot up to number one in the UK, and actually in a lot of countries like Ireland, Australia, and hit number three in the United States. And it also introduced the song to a new generation, so a lot of younger people, were exposed to that song and it was a big 
uh, deal to them. That's actually how my kids heard that song. They didn't hear it from me, which is how they hear most old music. They heard it watching Stranger Things and they loved it. And then of course I loved that they loved it because I love the song. They can't help you, Max. There's a reason you hide from them. And it's from a fantastic album, and I'm sure we will talk about this album on some future episode, but it's the opening track on one of my all-time favorite records. And so it's it's beautiful. It's sort of hypnotic. Um it's also rare for me in the sense that it came out during the era of MTV and yet I can barely remember the video. Like most of the times I remember the video as much as I well remember the song, but this one, it was kind of like weird and abstract and they're just kind of dancing around. Right. Yeah. I And, and, and that's my mem- memory of the song. Um, oh. when, I fir- when I first heard it was because of you, Alan, um, we were on our senior trip um oh, on the bus right. and you had your walkman i'm like hey what you listen to you held the cassette up to me it's close to my face <laughs> held it right up to me and i said oh and then you let me listen to that song and that's when i first <laughs> heard that song yeah well it's the same with me the first time i heard it was uh, alan used to come pick me up to go to school in the morning and he had a cassette player in his car and this is a cassette that he had and he cassette, played it in the what? car yeah i know crazy eh and that's when I first heard it, and I was like, "This is the, this is the whole album, I think." And I was just mm-hmm. like, "She, her voice is kind of interesting, but this is really good, you know." And that was my first introduction as well. Um, and this album had come out, I guess, probably that year, yeah, uh, eighty five, right? And um, yeah, it's a it's a fantastic song. Like you said, it opens up a great album, really sets the tone for it, and it has this sort of very evocative, spooky kind of open and then the drums kind of are like a train or or something and it's a very kind of mechanical and and moving along and then her voice like i said just completely unique and great i love it um and i'm a big fan in general of um synthetic or mechanical sounding music with really emotional (laughs) lyrics i don't know Mm. to me that's a sort of a hallmark of 80s early 80s music in a lot of ways like new wave music maybe maybe you know not not the rock and new wave stuff but the stuff that i was that kind of stuff i got into like uh, like a depeche mode or something you know really artificial sounds and sounds of things clanking together with people talking about emotions <laughs> well i mean it's a great juxtaposition of something extremely human with something completely mechanical yeah specifically this song it really does it, it builds up to uh it gets more and more kind of layered with vocals and, and sounds and her voice again she starts really showing uh, her vocal talents in there and with the background uh, uh background vocal tracks mixing together and then it comes back down to that end the kind of mm, that drone sound they call it a train drone or something i forget what they called it yeah
Yeah, really, really good song. Yeah. I, I, I do think it's worth mentioning, too, that um, until uh, the time where uh, she created, I think, the album previous to this was The Dreaming, right? Was this one right before yeah. this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, until that time, she was there was only one other woman like of her stature had uh, been her own producer, which is Joni Mitchell. And then Kate mm-hmm. Bush was a second really known uh, female artist to produce her own songs and have her own studio in her, her own house and mm-hmm. all that stuff during that time. And so that, that was like something that was really unheard of at the time and very few artists in general, but really uh, very uh, only two female artists. And I think it's great about it is that be- I mean, because of her autonomy in that, in this period and in her career, she retained her publishing rights for her songs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when she had those resurgences, especially the Stranger Things resurgence. Hashtag Stranger Things. <laughs> uh, when, when that resurgence happened and the streaming the streaming money came in, um, <laughs> whatever that is, like 10 bucks, I don't know. Um, no, but when that money came in and that success went directly to her, which I think is great because so many, especially older bands, you know, yeah, they don't own anything. They they don't get any uh, other than like PR and like word of mouth or people thinking about them again. They don't get monetary returns when a song re from twenty thirty years ago becomes popular again, unless they can turn it into a reunion tour. That's exactly. really, I mean, that's yeah. what drives so many of those is that's the only way they can make money off of their own art. Exactly. So we're here to try to fix the music industry. So one podcast at a time. Yes. Yeah. We're, we're super doing, important. I think we're doing a great job so far. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, what else? Uh, Mike, were you uh, done talking about the song itself? Yeah, a- yeah. I mean, I, I, I just... Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What else, Al? Anything else you want to talk about? Uh, no, I mean, it just has all the hallmarks of a great Kate Bush song. She has that very high-end vocal range. Uh, so it's a very unique voice, but I also think she's someone like, um, you know, I would like someone like Peter Gabriel with whom she's, you know, performed with as well and recorded with. But there's certain artists that are just, they're just making the songs that they want to make. And it doesn't really matter whether it's commercial or like, it's just, it's coming from their humanity. And she's definitely one of those. Yeah. Yeah. And that thing we talked about, about technology juxtaposed to humanity and emotion. Uh, I think the, like the previous album, The Dreaming, which we talked about was also, um, that was the first time she had the Fairlight cmi uh, mm-hmm. computerized musical instrument and that whole album is programmed on the cmi and she just did it on her own and again just that independence that she had and also just the talent she had for songwriting and then getting a tool like like the fairlight which was new like i think mm-hmm. peter gabriel introduced her to it possibly because he was using it around the same time he was doing security which had a lot of these he yeah. used the same 
same tool to make his album security. But she just basically hunkered down in her studio and used this instrument to create these great songs. And uh, yeah, and great albums. Again, this is a great album, uh, Hounds of Love, that people should check out. We hope you're enjoying this Gen Explainers podcast. Remember to find us and follow us on social media. Give us a like, a follow, or support us on Patreon. And we'd much appreciate a five-star rating on the podcast platform of your choice. Now, let's get back to the show. Let's get to the question, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. A perfect song, Alan? What do you think? I mean, I nominated it, right? <laughs> well, you know what? But, yes, you did. Mm-hmm, but does, yeah. You can nominate a song and, and, and not have it be perfect, but that doesn't really make yeah, sense. Yeah, that's true. That's but, true. But it's totally um, fine. Maybe next time I'll nominate a song that's bad. <laughs> yeah, anyway, <laughs> but this isn't one. This is one that I do believe is a perfect song, and I say yes wholeheartedly with with all of my being mm. mike what do you think yes definitely very much so mm. um there's i i i didn't even i didn't even make notes on this one because i was going to say yes automatically so. <laughs> yeah i think it's shitty no <laughs> i think it is yes definitely a perfect song along with a few of her other songs is what i wrote oh yeah but but this song is this song is fantastic and definitely perfect and again we have a unanimous vote so it has to be true Mm -hmm. the perfect song and if you haven't heard it by now check it out and uh, check out kate bush and again we will have a show at some point where we talk about kate bush and uh celebrate her talent the, the one last little fact that I did find on it was that it said running up that hill eventually reached number one 37 years after its release, yes. breaking the record for the longest time taken to reach the top spot, which was Wham's Last Christmas. Wow. <laughs> which was 30, 36 years. So well, Kate Bush, better than Wham. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wasn't sure until now, but now. Now, now we know. Now we know. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. And uh, we will... See you next week. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to this Gen Explainers podcast. Follow us on Instagram and friend us on Facebook. Just search for Gen Explainers and find us on Patreon, where you can support the channel and gain access to extended cuts of the podcast as well as exclusive bonus content. See you next time.